All right, good morning. Glad to be back here. Appreciate all the phone calls and text messages and everything while we've been out on, I have to say, paternity leave while I've been out with the baby. He's doing great. Maria's doing great. Um, girls are not so great. <laughs> They're in quarantine right now. Um, they're not allowed to touch him. <laughs> so they got exposed on the bus last Wednesday, found out Friday. And so they can't go back to school till Thursday. So that's that's where my people are today uh, at home staring at the baby because they can't touch the baby. And then we got uh, James Tabitha and that crew are out as well uh, for being in quarantine too. So just uh, be in prayer for those. Uh, me and Conley's talking about it before church today. Just there's a lot going on. Keith mentioned it too before church that uh, just a lot of a lot of death going on right now, especially because of COVID. Uh, and then me and Keith or me and Conley's talking about just the number of churches that are popping up here lately that are without pastors. That's something that we went on. I, I hate to say a dry spell, but there was a spell there where I know in the association alone, every church had a pastor. And now looking at it, there's a lot without. So I uh, remember those, we, what was it? We were talking about Minneapolis and Fall Creek and Beach Mountain, uh, Beach Valley. They're without one, Joe left. Uh, there's several just around us that are without pastors, and that's tough, tough to be in that situation. So we need to be in prayer for those, the pulpit committees or whoever's the search committee involved, that God just put the right man in the right place at the right time. Be in prayer for that. Uh, so we're going to start out this morning in prayer, and we're going to pray for those uh, specifically. Uh, you got Rita and Louise's family down there in Morganton, uh, lost there yesterday, so be, we're going to pray for that. So let's just open up this morning in prayer. Father God, this morning, as uh, we again have been uh, just so thankful to be able to come to your house this morning. God, we thank you for your, your rest this weekend. Thank you for your presence in our lives. Lord, just thank you for all the many blessings that you've given us. Uh, Lord, this morning we just want to stop and, and just take a moment to lift up those that are, are mourning today. Lord, those that have lost a loved one, those that are still dealing and coping and, and mourning the loss of a loved one here recently. God, we just want to lift them up to you. Lord, we know uh, that your, your presence uh, can be felt. Lord, we know that your arm can be wrapped around them. Lord, they just got to look for it and they got to they gotta want it. And I pray, God, that to, today that that is what they... Uh, that's what they desire in their hearts and their lives is just uh, the warm embrace of your loving arms. God, we just want to lift up our, our sister churches around us. There's just so many right now that have, uh, have lost their, their pastor, Lord, wh whatever the reason may be. Lord, they've moved on. They've done something else. But, God, uh, it's a struggle. It's hard to find the right one to fill that pulpit, the one that you've called. So, God, I pray this morning that they would continue to seek your face ask for your guidance in that uh, that search that you would place the right man there at the right time. And Lord, we just want to thank you for Brother Bobby for filling in last week. Uh, Lord, I just lift him up to you right now, God, because he's got a, a full slate ahead of him in the next several weeks and months, uh, places to fill in who are without a pastor. So Lord, I pray that you would just uh, give him a lot of grace, give him liberty behind the pulpit. And Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you for their love and their support. And I pray, Lord, you just bless them for their their time, Lord, and for their prayers as well. And Lord, I pray that you would just uh, continue to grow the church, be with us, and be with us today as we go into your message. I'll in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to be over in Genesis chapter 37. We're going to kind of bounce around chapter 37. And it's, it's something that it's not talked about much, but this is a topic that uh, we all have to deal with. 
and it's unfortunate that we have to deal with it, especially uh, just Christians in general, but just being humans in general, we got to deal with this. Uh, and it's, it's betrayal. We've all been betrayed. There's not a one of us that's sitting here this morning that is exempt or will ever be exempt. Uh, we're going to be betrayed. We've got, we got uh, Kylie. I'll get it out here in a minute. Kylie. She's little. She's a little tiny thing. Guess what? At some point, she's going to be betrayed. It's going to hurt. And that's, that's one of the things that I've talked about with, with um, Abby, you know, with Gideon coming around. You know, I, I, we always said, Keith's picking on us about Abby never dating. That's what I always said. Abby would never date. It was not the dating part that hurts, all right? That's not the worst part. What hurts is when she gets her heart broke, when she's betrayed. That's what hurts. And that's, that's always been in the back of my mind, Paisley. I'm not worried about Paisley. She's going to break everybody else's heart. That's, that's just her. She'd care less. She'll, I told her the other day, I said, you're going to be riding down the road in your truck. You're just going to open the door and push him out. That's just the type of person she's going to be. But it's that betrayal that, that we have to deal with. And so we're going to look at, at someone here uh, shortly that, in the Old Testament that is he's just a poster child for being betrayed. It hurts, though. If you think about betrayal, it hurts. But being betrayed is one of the worst feelings in the world. When somebody has let you down, when they have intentionally, especially, let you down. Uh, I had read this quote, and it says, The saddest thing about betrayal is that it never comes from your enemies. And I've never really thought of it that way, but that really hit home. The saddest thing about betrayal is that it never comes from your enemies. It's always from the ones that are the closest to you. That's, then that's, I guess, why it hurts the worst. We've all been through these painful experiences in our lives. I've dealt with it. You've dealt with it. I've dealt with it in church, not this church, but in churches. I've dealt with it. I uh, had to deal with it when I was at Beach Valley, and that's, that one was hurt. I, I was really shocked that I ever pastored again after that one. But you deal with it at work. You deal with it at school. You've got to deal with it. You've got to deal with it in the fire department. Some of the people you think are your closest friends at the fire department are the ones that will quickly stab you in the back or betray you. So there's, there's always going to be those experiences out there. The Old Testament, we're going to look at Joseph, and he was not exempt to it. You would think somebody at, at his level and with the way that God had anointed him and used him, you would think that someone like that would, would not have to deal with betrayal. But again, he is the poster child for what betrayal looks like and, and the pain that it, it brings with it. So we're going to talk about that this morning, the pain that comes with betrayal. So if you've got your Bibles open in chapter Genesis 37, stand with me just a moment. Genesis chapter 37. Again, we're going to bounce around a little bit. We're going to start out verse 2 and 4, 2 through 4. It says, These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lad was with the sons of Belah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Remember that part. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old... He was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. Now switch over to verse 12. We're going to go 12 to 28 now. Verse 12 says, And his brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy, do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said to him, Here am I. 
And he said to him, Go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren and well with the flocks, and bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem, and a certain man found him, and behold, he was wandering in the field, and the man asked him, saying, What seekest thou? And he said, I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flocks. And the man said, They are departed hence, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit, and we will say some evil beast hath devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. And Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood, but cast him into the, this pit that is in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him, that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him to his father again. And it came to pass when Joseph was coming to his brethren that they they uh, stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. And they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. So this is like a cistern. And they sat down to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from uh, Gilead, Gilead uh, with their camels bearing uh, spicery and balm and myrrh going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him. And he is our brother and our flesh, and his brethren were content. Last verse says, Then there passed by Midianites, uh, merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. Conley, will you open us up this morning, please? Amen. You can have a seat. I know that's a lot of scripture to read right there, but there's there's reason behind that. There, there's a lot packed in the, those short few verses in the beginning and those long few that we just read. There's a lot there that we need to pick apart about being betrayed. And, and Joseph's betrayal, it comes uh, at a crossroads. If you look at his life, it's at a crossroads of jealousy and pride. And that's with his brothers and him and his family and him. You might call this a... Uh, uh, one of my commentaries said this was a the the perfect storm of a dysfunctional family, and he's kind of right. This is just kind of it all just kind of boiled up to a head right here, and it finally exploded uh, whenever Joseph turned around and and, and kind of was a tattletale uh, to Jacob or Israel at that time. So it just kind of exploded. So you got Father Jacob right here playing favorites, and obviously he learned absolutely nothing about his uh, uh, from his family's past about. Uh, playing favorites and what parents were to do and 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 you know I just I can't I can't imagine I, was, I thought about this because I've got a lot to think about now having Clayton you know I can't think I can't imagine playing favorites I just I, I mean 
you know, with with mom and dad, dad could always say that I was his favorite son and Leanne was his favorite daughter, but that was just it. That's all that they had, just the two of us. You know, they can't look back and say, well, well or Abby or Cole or Paisley or Cody or Clayton now. They can't say those are their favorite grandkids. They're, they're all equal in their eyes. And, and the way I look at it is the same way that God looks at each one of us. God looks at his children, which is us, and he loves us all equally. So how can one person, how can, can Israel at this time, how can he say that one of his sons is a favorite? Now, yes, he was born of his old age. I understand that. He was kind of special, and that's okay to say that he is special. And I can actually say this myself, Clayton is special to us because we didn't think we would ever have him. So he is he's special, but he is not the favorite there will not be a favorite we love them equally and so for jacob here play, to say you know play favorites it just it just blows my mind and I, I, but i'm glad it's written in here moms and dads playing favorites will never go well and it does happen it happens in this lifetime too it's not just biblical we're going to see it all over the place there are going to be those kids that the parents are going to they're going to like one and not like the other and so much it's going to happen. I don't like it, but it happens. So Jacob gives uh, Joseph this really nice, ornate robe. What we know here is the robe of many colors. We know this story. Everybody knows this story. But it's not just a robe of many colors. I'm going to read you something here out of out of Second uh, Samuel. It kind of describes the kind of robe, uh, or this kind of garment that's worn, and it's worn by royalty. And, and so again, Second Samuel thirteen eighteen says, And she had a garment of divers' colors upon her, for with such robes were the king's daughters that were virgin, virgins appareled. Then his servant brought her out and bottled, sorry, and bolted the door after her, and Tamar put ashes on her head and rent her garment of divers' colors that was on her and laid her hand on her head and went on crying. I know it don't really make a lot of sense, but what I want you to understand is the type of, of garment that it was of, of royalty. It, this was a type of garment that only certain people would wear. So I, 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 think, <laughs> I wish Ethan was here. Ethan loves his, his superhero T-shirts. I love that. I love to see him come in wearing whatever, Batman, whatever it is. But he's proud of that. And so he wants everybody to see what he's wearing. Especially when he brings the backpack. That's the best part. When he brings his little Batman backpack in. I love that. He wants everybody to see it. So that's, that's what's going on right here. You have Joseph wearing this robe, this coat of many colors. And he's proud of it. He wants everybody to see it. He's proud of, of who he is and who his family is. And honestly, he's probably even a little bit proud of who his brothers are. So he, he's he's... Not prideful, I don't want to say prideful, well yeah, I guess he is right here at, at this point, but he's proud of who he is, so he's, he's wearing this robe and he's showing this thing off, just like Ethan wearing his, his, uh, his superhero shirt and his backpack, he's proud of it, he's going to show everybody what he has been given, he wants everybody to see what he's got and what he is wearing, and then, then there are, are Joseph's dreams, God has given him these two dreams. Now listen to these dreams. The first one was that his brothers would bow down to him, and the second one is that his brothers and his parents would bow down to him. Joseph had shared these dreams proudly with his family, and that kind of pushed him over. At 17 years old, 
Yeah, well, just think about 17-year-olds for just a moment. Think of the, the maturity level of a 17-year-old. Where is it at? It's not. It's kind of immature. Most 17-year-olds are not very mature. They're getting there, but they're kind of immature at that, at that stage in their life. So he's a little bit prideful, so it doesn't go over too well with the family. So when you, when you have an immature, an immature, prideful youngin' coming up and kind of flaunting things and telling people how they're going to bow down to them, it doesn't go over too well with the brothers. So the straw that broke the camel's back right here is this evil report that we read over in, in verse number 2 in chapter uh, 37. Remember at the, at the very end it says, Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now, we don't know exactly what that was kind of have an idea, but we can imagine that once he had given this evil report back to old dad, that it wasn't very long before word got back to the brothers that the tattletale little brother has been talking to dad, and so they were pretty mad. They was pretty upset about what, what had t- taken place, and so now they've got this um, bad attitude towards the little brother. All these factors set up the perfect storm of pride and of hatred and of jealousy and the one that we're going to talk about, betrayal. All this comes, and the boy's only 17 years old. And so now they're trying to figure out how to get rid of him. There's two things I want to look at this morning that's in this, this story that we just read. Number one, people are going to let you down. That's the first thing I want to look at. When it comes to betrayal, people are going to let you down. I can put my hand on that Bible, and I will promise you right now, you will be betrayed. People will let you down. I don't care who it is in your family, in your workplace, wherever it might be, you will be betrayed. People are not perfect. It was talked about in Sunday school this morning. Now, I guess we'll talk about it. When, I still ain't opened that book up. We're going to talk about it Wednesday night when it comes to Adam and Eve. We're going to be betrayed because of sin. We're not perfect people anymore. Because of the fall in the garden, we're not perfect. Not that they were even that perfect. They were close, but there's only been one that was actually perfect. Because we are sinners, we're going to let people down. We're going to let the devil get in our lives. We're going to let him get a toehold in our lives, and we're going to let people down. It's unfortunate, and it hurts. Sometimes we do it, and we don't even know that we've done it. That's the bad part. We've done it, and, and the damage is done, and it's hard to get forgiveness for that. If you have a, a relationship with somebody anyone, it doesn't matter. The inevitable truth is that that person will let you down. I've disappointed people. That's, I've said it before. You know, my dad spanking me didn't bother me near as bad as hearing him say that he was disappointed in me. He could beat me with a rod. I didn't care, but for the words, that disappoints me, or you've disappointed me, that ripped my heart out. Think about that. that I feel like after that, I felt like I've betrayed him because I've, I've disappointed him. I've betrayed my dad or my mom because I disappointed them. That's, that's, that hurts. That's a, that hurts really bad. Now, it might not be we may disappoint folks. We may let folks down. It may not be to the point of, or the extent of betrayal, but any person will let you down at some point. And it's because of us all being sinners. Remember, Paul told us over in Romans eight twenty three, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all we've all come short. But I like what Isaiah says right here in fifty three six. He says, "All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one of his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all." We will disappoint each other. I've disappointed y'all. 
I've disappointed family. I've disappointed friends. Y'all, in return, have done the same thing in your lives. You have disappointed friends and family in your life, and, and it hurts. I'm telling you, some of have been called out. I've been called out for it, too. We have done it. It's hard to hear, but it is the truth. We're going to let people down. Joseph let his family down. He lets his pride get in the way and get the best of him. But here's the thing. He flaunts his, his dreams. He flaunts that robe, and he flaunts his dreams. And that's like rubbing salt in the wound when you do something like that. He lets him down, and his brothers let him down. They, you guys ever heard of the old, the old green-eyed monster? What is it? Jealousy. We have to deal with jealousy. And, and, I, and I'm, I'm waiting. I'm, oh, how I'm so waiting. I know the girls are listening at home right now to this. But I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to the point where we get to see the old green-eyed monster pop out there at home about jealousy with the new baby coming along. Did you have to deal with it with Ethan? Did you have a little hint of jealousy come along? <laughs> so it happens. You know, jealousy is going to be, it, it's just part of life, I guess. But we've got jealousy that the brothers are dealing with right now. And it, and it, jealousy, we all deal with jealousy, but it depends on how we deal with jealousy. Do we let it consume us? That's the, that's the thing. It's just like uh, anything else, how do we handle it? Do we, we let it consume us? Or do we get through it pretty quickly and ask for God's help uh, through this? Now, the brothers right here, they should have heeded God's warning to Cain before he killed his brother. Over in Genesis 4, 6, the Bible says in the, in the height of Cain's anger right here, God told him, he said, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? They should have, that should have been what come to mind. Why are y'all so mad? Why, uh, you know, that's the thing I think about. Why... Why are y'all so mad at your little brother? They were the older brothers. They, were, they could have been role models for him. And in some way, they actually turned out to be, later on in the story, uh, a type of role model. But that's what I, when you think about pride, you think about the anger that came from these brothers right here, you've got to go back and you've got to look at Cain and what God said. Why art thou wroth, and why, isn't, and why is thy countenance fallen? We need to be like that. We need to keep that in mind as well. Why are you mad? What has, what has set you off? Whenever you get angry at somebody, whether it's through betrayal or whatever it might be, why are you mad? You, have you ever asked yourself that? What, what has just happened to me that has made me so mad? Now, we know what happens here with Cain, and I hope you've never got to that point in your life where you was that mad, but we've all felt that anger bowl up inside of us and, and kind of burst out. We need to ask ourselves exactly what God asked Cain right here. Why are you mad? He says, why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? Why are you so mad? What has set you off? What's bothering you so bad? Now, as Joseph's brothers see him coming from a distance, they, they start to plot out his murder. Now, verse 19 kind of tells us right here that you can just hear the scorn in their voice. Even though we're reading it right here, you can just hear it in their voice when they say, Behold, this dreamer cometh. You can just hear the bitterness in their voice. Behold, this dreamer cometh. They're so mad at him. Verse 20 keeps on going right here. And he says, Come now. And again, you can just hear the bitterness here. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we will say, some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of this dreamer. 
there's so much bitterness in their life, and they're, they're just, they're over it. They're done with him. They want to get rid of him. They're just, they're just sick of this little brother, this little boy right here, and they're ready to get rid of him. Only the level-headedness of their oldest brother, Reuben, saves his life. I like Reuben. Now, he's, he's still part of the plan, but he says, I don't want to kill him. Let's just throw him in a pit. Reuben had a good heart. Reuben said, I'm going to come back and save my brother a little bit later. So Reuben said, let's just throw him in this cistern. Let's just throw him in this dry well, and, and, and then I'll come back and save him a little bit later. Verse 21, 22 says the brothers took his advice, and they threw him in that pit. And Reuben, again, is going to come back. But while Reuben is away, Judah leads the other brothers to do the, this unthinkable thing. They said, you know what? We're going to sell him. We're going to sell him off into slavery, and, and he'll become an Egyptian slave. The brothers have gone from premeditated murder to a lifetime sentence of slavery, just like that. They've changed their mind, so they're going to go from killing him to sentencing him to slavery, and their, their, their thought is we'll never see him again, ever. 20 pieces. They sold him off for 20 pieces. That was it. They didn't want to see him again. Their, their cold-heartedness at this time wouldn't just let Joseph down. It was going to let Jacob or Israel down as well. So they were so cold-hearted that they weren't only going to hurt their brother, they were going to hurt their dad. Jacob's heart was going to be broken because of this death. Now, church, people are going to let you down. And again, I will make you that promise. People, that's just what they do. If you've been in business at any, any point in your life, if you've, if you've owned a business or you've worked for somebody and you got up on the totem pole, you realize really quick, people will let you. They're going to disappoint you. But you're also going to be betrayed at some point as well. And I'd, I'd rather be disappointed, I guess, that I had been betrayed. Later on, Joseph pleaded with his brothers while down in that pit. Now, listen to verse, uh, or chapter 42, verse 21. It says, They said one to another, we are, verily, we are verily guilty concerning our brother, in that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us, and we would not hear. Therefore, is this distress come upon us. He begged for mercy, and they just sat there and ate their lunch. Can you imagine that? He just said, please forgive me. Where I have, where I have failed you, it, brothers, if you love me, would you forgive me? Would you pull me out of this pit? Would you? And they sat there right on the edge of that dry well, and they ate their lunch, and they listened to him, begging for mercy, but they wouldn't do anything about it. They would not pull him up out of there. The pain of betrayal, Joseph would live with that for, the, for years because his brothers. Do you think that at some point Joseph felt like they didn't love him? Or do you think they just didn't like him? That's, Paisley's in that little kick right now with Abby. Paisley, I don't like, or Abby, I don't like you right now. I love you, but I don't like you right now. That's, that's, the, way, that's the way they look at each other. Joseph and his brothers... Do you think at some point Joseph thought, man, they really, they really just don't like me right now. They might still love me. Maybe they're just putting me down here as a joke. Maybe, maybe after a while they're going to feed me and they're going to they're pull me up out of here. I don't know. I, I don't know. It breaks my heart to see someone be betrayed. When, when you've been in ministry at any, at any length in your, in, in your life, you see how people can be betrayed. And again, it, it happens 
with those that we call friends. They're the ones that will get you the quickest. And to see it happen inside churches, it breaks your heart. The bigger the church, the more apt this is, is to happen. But you see the betrayal take place between church members. And then you get that division and that bitterness that takes place inside the churches. And it breaks my heart to see something like that happen. People will let you down. That's a given in this life. <laughs> just like, as Ben Franklin said, just like death and taxes. You know, death and taxes and betrayal. That's just a given in this life. The second thing that we're going to look at, the second and the only other point I got here, number one was we're going to be betrayed. Number two is God's going to see you through it. That's, that's what we need to get out of this story. Not so much that we're going to be betrayed because we know that that's going to happen, but what we've got to remember is that God will pull you through it. God will see you through this. God's seen him through this, even though it looked terrible. Even though when you read this story, if you've never read it before and you, and you start to read it, it's like, oh man, what in the world's going on here? Why would these brothers do something like this? But there is a moral to this story, and there is some hope that comes out of this story for each one of us. God will get you through it, even though you felt like your heart has been ripped out. Even though you feel like you have lost all your friends and there's, there's no one left around to support you through this betrayal in your life, you need to remember God will see you through it. God will get you through this. Joseph's story, it's amazing. It's, 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 it's all these ups and downs in his entire life. that You can't make this stuff up. There ain't no way. You could not write a story like this. This has happened for a reason. God's seen him through this to help us. It's documented so that we could be better people, so that we could, we, would, we could see just how much we need to rely on God because of what Joseph has been through and how he turned to God. Uh, what is that? Truth is stranger than fiction sometimes. Joseph finds favor as a slave in the home of the Egyptian official Potiphar. So he, he, he's, he's here at, at Potiphar, and Potiphar's wife, of course, we know the, the whole story behind Potiphar's wife. She tries to seduce him, and he refuses, and then she falsely accuses him of rape, and he's thrown into prison. Now, Joseph suffers in this Egyptian, Egyptian prison for years and years. Finally, his God-given ability of, of ciphering out these dreams leads him to Pharaoh. And so he goes to Pharaoh, and, and Joseph interprets these dreams for Pharaoh, and he says, you know, Pharaoh, you're going to have, or we're going to have seven years of plenty, but Pharaoh, also, we're going to have seven years of drought, of nothingness. And he said, Pharaoh, I suggest that you put up as much as you can. You need to hoard up as much supply as possible for that seven-year drought that we're going to hit. And Pharaoh says, you're a smart man. He says, since you know how to interpret this dream and you know how, um, you know how to handle this stuff, he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you in charge of it. So if you look at Joseph, he goes from a slave to a prisoner to a prime minister like that. He is second in command to Pharaoh. The boy was his daddy's pride and joy. The boy was hated by his brothers. His, this boy, here he is in this coat of many colors. He's wearing a robe that is fit for royalty. And he gets stripped of it, thrown in a pit, sold into slavery, moves in, goes into Egypt, and is accused of rape, gets put in prison. So he goes from a slave to a prisoner, and then he interprets these, this dream, and then he gets promoted from prisoner up to second in command. You can't make this up. 
God has ordained this. God has orchestrated this entire thing perfectly for us so we can see, even though we feel like we're a slave to something or we're imprisoned to something, we still have hope. There's still a hope for each one of us. Even though we have been betrayed, it feels like our heart's been ripped out just like Joseph's was, we still have hope. We still have a God. We still have somebody that cares for us and loves us and will, will get us out of, out of that prison or out of that pit that we're in in our lives. Now, Joseph oversees this whole uh, uh, preparation of drought over here in Egypt. He oversees this thing. And when Egypt is not the only one that's affected by this drought, the entire known world is affected by this drought. And guess where these people come to whenever this drought hits? They hear about Egypt, and they hear about this, uh, this, this storehouse, all these goods that have been put up because of this drought coming. And so everybody comes to Joseph, and they buy the food here. And so what I want you to see here is how God uses Joseph to save not only the people of Egypt, but his own family too. God uses him in a great way to save more than just a, a country. I'm not even—he didn't really save the world. Jesus did that, but he saved the new or the known world by storing this stuff up. But but by saving up these supplies and people coming to buy, it wasn't just the, the people around. It was actually his family as well. His family came in, so he saved his family, not even knowing it. And his family would become this, this nation, God's people and the tw- tw- 12 tribes of, of Israel. I had, I had to write these down. I love these. Asher, Dan, uh, Ephraim, Gad, Ishkar, Manasseh, Neptili, Reuben, Simeon, Zebulun, Judah, and Benjamin. Even though Joseph had been prideful, he didn't deserve what his brothers done to him. Even though we may flaunt our Batman shirts at church, there we go. That's not prideful on Ethan's part. I'm just saying. Even though we feel prideful in our lives, that is no reason for somebody to betray you like that. Now, it's, it's, it's okay to get your hand smacked, but it ain't no reason for somebody to push you down in a pit. Sometimes we need to, we need to get, we need to get uh, straightened out a little bit. Sometimes we need to, to be checked up on. I think the brothers taking him out in the woods and busting his tail once or twice would have probably done the trick. That's just my opinion. But it didn't happen that way. Instead of taking him out in the woods and busting his tail, took him out in the woods, pushed him in a pit, and then sold him off as a slave. Betrayal hurts. When someone is, when you have been betrayed, if you've ever been betrayed, not to this point, but if you've ever been betrayed, it, it hurts. We know firsthand how bad it hurts. But somehow he endures, he matures, and he discovers that God used his circumstances for good. So whenever we go through the betrayal, whenever we go through whatever it is that we're going through in this life, God will use that for good. He's going to make us stronger. He made Joseph stronger. He will make each one of us a stronger person because we need to rely on him to get us again out of that pit, out of that that slavery that we're going through. When we rely on God and we see the power and the strength in God, through these circumstances, our faith in Him gets a lot stronger and our, person, our uh, relationship with Him gets much, much stronger when we learn to rely on God. One of my favorite verses about Joseph, he tells his brothers this over in Genesis uh, fifty twenty. He says, But as for you, 
Ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Do you see how that, that turned? Man, Joseph could have said, no, I, I'm not going to sell to these people. These, these guys put me in a pit. These guys sold me off. These guys were mean to me. These were my mean big brothers. He could have said that. But you know what he said? He said, God turned this whole situation into a good thing. I'm going to read it again. He says, But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. If you go back and you trace that back, what would have happened if his brothers didn't push him in the pit? What would have happened if his brothers had killed him like they'd planned on? That seven-year drought, there'd been a lot of dead people. There'd been a lot of dead people. Egypt would have probably, their population would have declined big time. They'd have starved to death. And the entire known world at the time would have probably starved to death. But because they pushed him in the pit and they sold him off into slavery, God used that. And like he said right here, he said, save much people alive because God turned this thing into something great. God turned in the betrayal and, and the broken heart into something great. You need to know that. When you suffer the pain of betrayal, God will see you through it, always. He will see you through it. That, that part of your heart that gets ripped out, God's going to fill that void. That, that, that hole of betrayal, God will fill that up for you. He'll find the good in it. He always will. Through the hardships that you endure, He will develop your character. And that's what I want you to look at is with, with Joseph. God developed his character. I think Joseph sitting in the pit, sitting in prison, wherever he was, he, he really got to thinking about his life and, and where he was prideful. And it helped build his character up to make him a better person. We get those times in our lives where we need to sit down, just like it says over in Psalm 23, where God says, He maketh me lie down beside still waters. That's that point in our lives where we've got to stop and we've got to sit down and we've got to look at our character and what we need to fix to become a better person and to get rid of that prideful nature that we might have. He may even use the circumstances of your life to bring about good to more than just you, but to many, just like he did Joseph here, just like he did for the Egyptians, just like he did for the known world at the time. He took the betrayal of the brothers of, of Joseph and he turned it into good to help save many. He can do that for us as well. Every one of us, if we felt betrayed, he can turn that betrayal into something good, to something great. Let's pray. Father God, this morning, we just want to come to you. And Lord, just thank you again for the, the word, for the message here. Lord, uh, you know firsthand the pain of betrayal. As, as your own son, Jesus Christ, was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver and nailed to that cross, even though he did nothing to deserve such a such a fate, such such torment. When we feel the pain and betrayal, Lord, I pray that you'd just help us, just to, to clear our eyes, Lord, clear our heart, and help us see that you're there in the midst of it all, and Lord, that you're going to pull us through whatever the situation might be. Lord, I pray that we'd be trusting, Lord, that we'd just trust you, trust uh, trust your hand to pull us through. Lord, I pray that we just trust your love. And Lord, I pray that we trust your grace and we trust that mercy to get us through 
our brokenness, our brokenheartedness that's going on in our lives. Father, I pray that if there be one here this morning that's feel like, Lord, they've been betrayed. Lord, that they would take this story and apply it to their lives, Lord, and, and see that there will be some good to come out of it. There will be good to come out of it because, Lord, you're involved in it. Lord, you're a part of the situation. You're going to find a way to make this thing turn around and, 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 and your, your name be glorified for whatever comes out of it. Lord, we just thank you for that. And I pray, God, this today is, as we start out the new week, Father, I pray that you would be with each and every one of us. God, as, as we mentioned earlier, there's so many struggling with, with grief right now, and they're still mourning the loss of, of loved ones. I pray, God, that you would just nourish them and comfort them as well. And, Lord, be with, uh, with Rita's family down there in Morganton as they're having to deal with the, the death of, of the, the cousin-in-law. God, I, I know uh, from what I've read and what I've been told, Lord, he was a great man, and I pray, Lord, that you would comfort them and fill those voids in their lives. Lord, again, we just thank you for what you've done for this church, what you're doing for the church. And I pray, Lord, you continue just to bless us, use us, lead us, guide us, direct us. Lord, I pray that you would just continue uh, to show your love on each and every one of us. We love you. Father, this morning we praise you and we thank you. All this in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, I'm glad to be back, and I hope that uh, hopefully everything will be on the mend uh, this week at the house. And I'll be back here Wednesday night, and we're going to get started in... 12 uncommon women or something, I don't know, it sounded really bad when I said it, that's not exactly what it is, it's 12, it's 12 something women, 12 common women, extraordinary women, yeah, there you go, thanks Hunter for bailing me out, uh, it'll be good, so be here if you can Wednesday night, and I'll see y'all Wednesday. <laughs>